the Holy Gospel, according to St. Matthew, beginning with the 26th chapter. One of the twelve, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I betray him to you? They paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment, he began to look for an opportunity to, opportunity to betray him. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is near. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When it was evening, he took his place with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they became greatly distressed and began to say to him one after another, Surely not I, Lord. He answered, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. Judas, who betrayed him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. He replied, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave, thanks, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, you will all become deserters because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Though all become deserters because of you, I will never desert you. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. And Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated. Then he said to them, I am deeply grieved even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little farther, farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to the Peter, So, you could not stay awake one hour with me. Stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit is indeed willing. But the flesh is weak. Again, he went away for the second time and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. 
So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came back to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Arrest him. At once he came up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you are here to do. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and arrested him. Suddenly, one of those with Jesus put his hand on the sword, drew it, and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. And Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father? And he will at once send more than twelve legions of angels. But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled, which say it must happen this way? At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me, as though I were a bandit? Day after day I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not arrest me. But all this has taken place so that the scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, in whose house the scribes and the elders had gathered. But Peter was following him at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest, and going inside, he sat with the guards in order to see how this would end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were looking for false testimony against Jesus so that they might put him to death, but they found none, though there were many false witnesses came forward. At last, two came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and build it in three days. The high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer? What is it that they testify against you? But Jesus was silent. And the high priest said to him, I put you under oath before the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He is blasphemed. Why do we still need witnesses? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? They answered, He deserves death. And they spat in his face and struck him. And some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Messiah. Who is it that struck you? Now, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before all of them, saying, I do not know what you are talking about. When he went out on the porch, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly, you are also one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to curse, and he swore an oath, I do not know the man. At that moment, the cock crowed. 
Then Peter remembered what Jesus had said, Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus in order to bring about his death. They bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, his betrayer, saw Jesus was condemned, he repented and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. He said, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. Throwing down the pieces of silver in the temple, he departed and he went and he hanged himself. But the chief priest, taking the pieces of silver, said, It's not lawful to put them into the treasury, since they are blood money. After conferring together, they used them to buy the potter's field as a place to bury foreigners. For this day, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what has been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of one on whom a price had been set, on whom some of the people of Israel had set a price, and they gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord commanded me. Now, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You say so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many accusations they make against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the festival, the governor was accustomed to release to the release of a prisoner for the crowd, anyone whom they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Jesus, Jesus Barabbas. So after they gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. While, they were sitting, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with this innocent man, for today I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus killed. So the governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to him, Then what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? All of them said, Let him be crucified. He asked again, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he could do nothing, but rather a riot was beginning, he took some water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And the people as a whole answered, His blood be on us and on our children. So that he released Barabbas for them. And after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole cohort around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on his head. They put a reed in his right hand and knelt before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. After mocking him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes back on him. 
and they led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they came upon a man from Cyrene named Simon. They compelled this man to carry his cross. When they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his clothes among themselves by casting lots. Then they sat down there and kept watch over him. Over his head they put a charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two bandits were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, chief priests also, along with the scribes and the elders, were mocking him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down from the cross now, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he wants to, for he said, I am God's Son. The bandits who were crucified with him also taunted him in the same way. From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, this man is calling for Elijah. One of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick and gave it for him to drink. But the others said, wait, let's see whether Elijah will come to save him. Jesus cried again with a loud voice and breathed his last. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were also opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. After his resurrection, they came out of the tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now when the centurion, those with him, who were keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were terrified and said, Truly this man was God's son. Many women were also there, looking on from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee and had provided for him. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and Mary the son and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. So Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn in the rock. He then rolled a great stone to the door of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember what this imposter said while he was still alive. After three days I will rise again. Therefore, command the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise his disciples may go and steal him away and tell the people he has been raised from the dead. And the last deception will be worse than the first. 
Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went with the guard and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I invite the children to come forward for a children's sermon. That was a really long reading, wasn't it? Yeah, it was so long. Why, why did we read something that long? Yeah. Yeah, it's Jesus' crucifixion. When Jesus died on the cross, we see both God's incredible love for us and how much God loves us through all the stuff that could really, I don't know, mess up a good life. Everybody look right here. It's a very short children's sermon. We read a long thing. We sit through things that we don't want because to know what God would have for us, to know what God would do for us, to know how God loves us is important. And important things, even though they're long, important things, even though they're hard, are worth doing. God loves you, and God will call you to pick up your own crosses, to do things that are hard and difficult for the sake of those whom he loves in the world, and even for your own sake, and call you to do those too. When God calls you to do hard things, whether they're long and boring, whether they're difficult, whether they distract you from the children's sermon, I want you to remember that God loves you, that God loves everybody. That God will always shine a light on your hearts and in the world. And that you do not have to fear death. You do not have to fear anything. God is always with you. God always loves you. Even in hard things. Sound good? Sounds good. Shall we pray? God... We give you thanks. We give you thanks for your great love for us. We give you thanks for being with us when things are long and hard, when they're difficult. We give you thanks for your forgiveness. We give you thanks. Be with us in difficult times, in times of need and want, and as you call us into difficult places throughout our lives, we ask that you come with us, drawing near to us, giving us strength, giving us peace giving us that love, just as you love the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
In the name of Jesus, amen. There's three arm movements that kind of happen in our Eucharistic prayer, in the prayer that we say and that we have been saying each week that Jesus does. That thing that we, that big long prayer that we say before communion, we're trying to hold inside of our heads the entire gospel of Christ and we boil it down to he reached out to heal the sick and suffering. He preached good news to the poor and who on the cross opened his arms to all. He reached out to heal the sick and suffering. He preached good news to the poor and who on the cross Open his arms for all. Last week in confirmation, or two weeks ago, we read this same story in its entirety. And I asked the class what they heard that was a little bit different, what they heard that was new. And inevitably, they asked me, What do you hear that's different? What do you hear that's new? And my answer is always the same. In light of those three things, in light of the arms of Christ that we see move towards humanity time and time and time again, I am always surprised when these arms, when this presence of God dies. And I know the story. But it strikes me every time That this isn't just a trial that Jesus goes through. It's not just a rough day. That Jesus breathes his last. And there's little more said. I want us to take a moment. Take a few moments. I want you to hold inside your heart someone for whom you have found a foundation Someone with whom you have found solidification. Someone who is for you. Someone who loves you. Someone who supports you. Someone whose arms hold you in the right times in life. They might still be with you. They might have gone before us. They might have left. But I want you to take that person in these next few moments and hold them. In your mind and in your heart. As you continue to hold this person or these people, we remember that Christ reached out to heal the sick and suffering, preach good news to the poor, and on the cross, open his arms to all. I often tell people to look at my nose, but despite having stood outside for about a half hour yesterday and burned my forehead, I want you to look at my forehead. If you can see, and if you're close enough, you'll see a little bump right here. Do you guys see a bump? 
Yeah, there's a little bump. And that is from my fantastic bike riding abilities from around the age of 12. Around the age of 12, I remember it was springtime and we got out all of our bikes and instead of, I don't know, filling the air or filling the tires with air and looking at the chain and doing smart things, we just jumped on and started riding, right? So everything was a little bit loose. And we were kids and so we were cleaning out our water bottles but instead of just filling it with dish soap and filling it with water and rinsing it out nicely and putting it away we filled it with dish soap, we filled it with water and then squirted each other with them and as we did that I decided I was going to ride my bike through this melee of I don't know, water and as my brothers split like bowling pins I hit a patch of loose gravel and decided to bail out forwards and I can still see it to this day, that jagged edge of sidewalk that had been pushed up by the tree root coming right here. Now, the jagged edge of sidewalk was about here. And I remember eventually laying on my back around here. And I don't know how I made that distance. What I do know is in a very dissociative way, realizing that I was wailing pretty good because <laughs> I hit my head square. I was wondering why I tasted blood. And as I looked just up into the sky with my back flat on the grass, all of a sudden, I started moving. I was moving quick. Now, I was pretty chunky as a kid. I weighed about the same weight that I weigh now, except for I was about that tall. <laughs> and I was moving quick. My dad, having seen me take a hit in just the right way, ran over, scooped me up with all that good farmer strength that he had, and started carrying me inside. Now that was surprising. Because if your dad was anything like my dad, my dad never ran. <laughs> my dad didn't move quick. My dad rarely had any facial expressions beyond the like four main ones that he always had. But he saw me take the right hit, he ran, he picked me up, he carried me inside. And as I saw his face for the first time looking into my forehead, he said with a face that is not good for a poker game, oh, I bet you don't need stitches. <laughs> but I go back to those arms a lot. I go back to the arms that before I know what to say and know what to do, know when to carry me. I have seen those arms, I have felt those arms in a variety of places. I've seen and felt those arms in my family of origin, I've seen and felt those arms in my wife. I've seen and felt those arms in the communities that have borne me, in my home congregation, in my friends and family that have accompanied me through this journey, I've seen and felt those arms even here. And while I know that I've been blessed to have many of those arms in my life, you have been blessed too to know what those arms feel like. I have been blessed to be those arms for other people, to know when to rush and to carry, to know when to sit beside and weep, to know when to laugh, to know when to cry. I know because I, I know what those arms are for me. These are the arms that we see in the gospel. 
These are the arms that reach out to heal the sick and suffering, that preach good news to the poor, and on the cross open their arms, not just for you and me, but for all. That is the reason that it strikes me so squarely when these arms breathe their last, when they die. Now in Christ's passion, we are always a resurrection people. We know that Christ will not leave us forever. We know that Christ will indeed be raised. We know that the arms that have held us, that are no longer with us, we will be reunited with them and we will feel their touch again. But on this day, on this Passion Sunday, we recognize the arms that hold us with abundant grace before we know what to cry out. And quite honestly, our disposition towards those arms and how it's very possible in our lives and in our choices and in our hearts to destroy the thing that holds us up. Thanks be to God for the arms that rush towards us and move to us quickly. And God have grace and we don't know how to treat those. Amen.